Assalamualaikum, everyone. Welcome to the Companions for Change podcast, hosted by the Sahab Initiative. I know it's been a it's been a about a year now since we released our last episode, but uh, we promise that we're going to be on a whole new schedule and we're going to be releasing a, a whole lot more new content uh, over the next year, all around social change, community, some of the hot topics and questions on top of all of our minds. Um, we have uh, the podcast is hosted by myself and, and Malik Bendelhum, who is also uh, excitingly the new executive director of Sahab Initiative and is leading a lot of um, projects on the ground. Um, yeah, Malik, tell us what's happening on the ground right now. Yeah, so it really has been a while actually since we uh, sat down and you know talked this through, but. You know, it's been a really exciting year. We've had so much stuff that's going on. For instance, um, one of the biggest things that that we did was the purchase of our new building, our food and wellness center, where now we are going to house our food pantry um, and family nutrition programs out of. So going from, you know, maybe a thousand square feet to over 2000 square feet where our clients are going to be able to come in and really, really benefit from our food and nutrition program. Um, you know, one of the one of the biggest things about San Bernardino itself is that you know it's one of the largest food deserts there is. Um, families don't have access to healthy and nutritious food, which makes it very, very difficult to to you know lead a healthy life and and. You know, nutrition is such a such a has such a huge impact on on ourselves, um, on our not only our physical health but our mental health, right? Our family's health and whatnot, and that's what makes it so important. Um, so, being able to open up this new center to expand our services and placing it very strategically right in the heart of down uh, downtown San Bernardino, right next to San Bernardino High School, which has such a such a huge need for healthy and nutritious food for families. So really excited about that. You know, um, we're, we're trying to also change things up in the food pantry itself. Um, so, you know, generally how we have people come in, um, we have volunteers that'll come in on Saturdays and they'll pack the food, you know, based on, you know, healthy and nutritious um, meals to have throughout the week. Um, and, you know, that's great and we'll still maintain having that, but we want to open it up a little bit and we want to start including a little bit more um, education within the uh, within that process. So our goal actually is that we are going to move our pantry um, somewhere this year into a client choice model. And essentially what that means is the goal is to make our pantry look like any other market that you would go into, right? Um, to to give, you know, the families a bit of normalcy, right? That when they're walking in, you know, they're, they don't feel like embarrassed or makes them feel a little bit different or anything like that. Um, they're going in just like they would go into any other, um, uh, you know, grocery store or anything of that nature. Um, and they'll be, you know, for instance, given a little bit of education, a list of, you know, 
these are the different things that you should, you know, grab that you should put into your bag to ensure that you, you know, have uh, enough nutritious food for the week. Um, and, you know, bring in that little education piece there. And, you know, at the end of the day, instead of going up to the cash register and forking out a million dollars because of inflation right now, but um, they don't actually have to pay anything. And hopefully, you know, everyone is going out smiling. Yeah. Um, so really yeah. excited about that. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, one of the things, as you're saying that, I wish, you know, on this podcast, maybe in the future we'll have like a horn or something, or some sort of jingle anytime we celebrate something. You ever heard these other podcasts and radio shows? <laughs> you know, they, they make a sound uh, to highlight important points. But I think you touched on a lot of different things there that are that are, that are are happening. Um, but I think I, I want to backtrack a little bit into – sort of a little background about the food and wellness center, the new space that we have and and give people an opportunity to sort of envision what is happening. Cause we now have two spaces. We have the family resource center, uh, which is located probably a couple of miles away. Um, uh, and, and um, the food and wellness center is in downtown and it's actually in one of the most impoverished areas in San Bernardino, the, uh, the, the the average income in the in that area is somewhere in the 20k is somewhere really low. Um, pretty much everyone in that neighborhood qualifies for food aid, um, but that building specifically, um, that building specifically used to be a drug house in the past, right? That would, you know, yeah. they got raided, um, and it was a whole thing. They were really causing a lot of uh, sort of harm to the community and running an illegal business, and uh, it was. It was taking place without the owner knowing. So the owner of the building didn't know these tenants were doing that. And um, ultimately, they all moved out. The building was closed down. And we had an opportunity to really purchase this building at a at a uh, decent cost. But it requires a lot of work. We have a lot of work to put into the building. Um, so with all of that said, walk me through what's happening on a regular basis at the Family Resource Center. Because that's where the hub of the operations are. And that's a little bit different than the food and wellness center. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, just to, to backtrack on one thing that you that you you said that you know, our, our goal is to drive social change, right? We want to be able to change our community for the better. And while purchasing this, you know, new food and wellness center was, you know. It, comes with a lot of difficulty, right? There's a lot of work to be done in everything, but that building used to be a, used to be a, a symbol of, of, of just negativity within the community, right? What, what's, what, what can be worse than, you know, having drugs being peddled and all of these different things, illegal business and, you know, taking advantage of the previous owner. It was this old couple. They had no idea what was going on and all, all kinds of just, you know, negativity and just just bad things that were happening at that um you know at, at that location and one of the things you know we really want to do and strive to do is when we say we want to drive social change we we mean it and we mean it tangibly right so turning something that used to be a symbol of 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 sadness and negativity into something that is now hopefully a symbol of hope positivity and and a resource for the community. I mean, I can't tell you how many of, you know, the neighbors and just different people who are walking by, you know, come and just talk about how happy they are that something positive is finally happening 
um, in the area. So, you know, really grateful that we're able to hopefully bring in some light um, into an area that, that, and specifically a building that has caused so much darkness. Um, but going to the, um, to our, our headquarters, our family resource center, um, this essentially serves as the hub of our services, right? So it houses our case managers, community health workers, and our therapists. Um, so, you know, a family will be in some type of need, right? Whether they need, you know, emergency financial assistance, whether they qualify for some type of uh, government aid, but have no idea how to get on it. They're going through some type of difficulty and they need help. And they are either referred to us. Um, we, you know, are able to connect to them through one of our partners, um, social media, whatever it might be. They hear about us. So they walk into the doors. Um, so right when they walk into the doors, we take an, an initial assessment just to get an understanding of what their needs are, right? Not everyone's needs are going to be the same. So coming in and kind of having a better understanding of what they may need, you know, maybe they're coming in for food and they say, you know what, we need food. But during that conversation, we start to realize, well, you know, one of the reasons you need food is because you're dealing with some other issue, right? And that's why that initial assessment is extremely, extremely important. Um, so once, you know, the assessment is, 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 um, done, um, and, you know, we have kind of a discussion with, with the family, the individual that's coming in, then we start to work on the best method for them moving forward, whether that be through mental health counseling, through our support groups, um, and, through our case managers. And um, what does that, what does that team look like? Cause the team has expanded, you know, who's on the team, how many people are there it sort of grew probably hundred percent or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we, you know, we went from one person essentially doing, you know, intake and, and case management and whatnot to now having two full-time um, case managers and community health workers. Um, one of which is a, um, um, has a master's in social work um, and also is able to uh, provide mental health services, direct therapy services. And then one of our other um, case managers and community health workers specifically um, specializes in um, health. Um, so ensuring that, you know, our clients have access to proper health. Most yeah, of the time, you have, you have multiple languages there spoken yeah. to now, which. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the office on, you know, any given day, we have a minimum of five languages spoken um, at a minimum. Um, and, you know, with other key volunteers and whatnot, if we include the board and everything, we have like nine to 11 uh, languages that are spoken. So we have an extremely diverse team. Um, on top of that, we also have um, three licensed therapists, uh, clinicians, um, and we are adding on another um, associate clinician who will be able to provide services specifically specializing in substance abuse um, and addiction. So, I mean, we went from having one on staff to, what is that, three, six, seven now. That doesn't even include like part-time. We have the part-time staff and, you know, yeah. a, lot, a whole lot of stuff going on. So, that's sort of where we're at. Um, I think for the past from the past uh, 
for the past six months, we will be doing a lot of things, building out this new location, building a whole new team, growing it, um, serving people in new different ways, um, which is all which is all exciting. Um, I guess a couple of couple of thoughts and questions. Um, I know I know the purpose of the podcast. One of the things that we want to do is highlight sort of lessons and things that we've learned from the past, uh, going back to the beginning. And I think you know, hopefully through this podcast series, we'll be able to highlight um, the beginning of this hub initiative journey, and then highlight the different lessons and sort of continue that alongside having different guests and and, and different topics that we can we can discuss. So shifting gears a little bit it would be really interesting to go back into the beginning you know before getting into community work i mean getting involved with sabnish specifically you know life and community work growing up you know i think there's a lot of muslims out there young muslims that are trying to navigate their identity and trying to figure out their space you know what they should be doing the community looked very different you know 15 years ago and it's changed completely, right? I know that, you know, back then we had maybe one, one or two messages in the area, which were the spots. And now you have probably hundreds all across the region. Um, you know, so with all that said, you know, what was what was happening in your life before Sahab Initiative? Oh, man. Um, I guess so before Sahab Initiative, um, I was working as a youth coordinator at the Riverside Masjid. Um, I was also um, a student at RCC. Um, you know, just, I guess, you know, such a, such a like, I'm, I'm like thinking back and I'm like, it, it almost feels like I've been doing Sahab Initiative always, right? Um, but, but yeah, I mean, really, you know, my, my all of everything that I was doing, it was I, I was I was you know doing the youth group, um, was going to school, I was volunteering with a bunch of different organizations, um, you know, was part of MSA, um, and you know that I mean that that really you know took up I guess a good chunk of my time. Um, well, I think you know what's interesting there is that you know one of the things that we probably don't highlight enough, and one of the reasons that. We, we began to form Sahab Initiative is that there were not a lot of opportunities to get involved. Um, and there was not a lot of community support a lot, uh, around community involvement and trying to figure out, you know, what our role is. And, you know, I think even till today, you know, I think Muslims as a whole still struggle with that. Where is there sort of space in society, right? After, um, you know, for us, you know, after almost 15 years or whatever being involved, yeah. it's still a question that that hasn't been answered. Um, and what I think it, what I think is really interesting in that is that a lot of a lot of this has to do with people don't feel comfortable just doing something that's authentic, right? Yeah. Like where do we where do we fit in? Do we have to just copy what other people are doing? How do we build something authentic? And I think with what we're building with Sahab Initiative had has to do with um, doing what we found was something that was really involved in our daily life and making it something that continues on, which is yeah. serving the people that are impoverished, people that are struggling in our community, and also creating avenues for more people to get involved in, in community change, which is where I think the most important uh, part of Muslim community life is. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, as you say that, like, you know, I, I think it was, it was just like a, a just simple and easy, almost like, I guess, transition, natural transition into this. Right. Um, really a lot of what I, what I was doing, right. You know, with youth group was trying to bring together this group of young people and encourage them to essentially put their faith into action, right? Especially when we when we go to when we're at Masajid and whatnot, you know, it's easy to give a lecture and you know inspire people, quote unquote. But if that inspiration doesn't actually lead you towards anything, um, both personally and communally, then then what's really the purpose? What's the point, right? Then, then at, at that point, you're just when you're speaking, you're just entertaining. Um, and that's not really what it's about. So it was always about, you know, trying to to inspire ourselves to be better, but then through ourselves being better, like leading us towards some type of action, right? Um, you know, one thing that, and, and a lot of, you know, the, uh, the guys that were in our youth group, you know, they'll always remember this is um, we used to take a youth group trip. Um, I don't even know how often we did it. We did it quite often, but um, we would take them to two places. Number one, we'd take them to um, to Path of Life, which is a shelter in Riverside, um, just to feed people, right? So um, there was leftover food or whatever, right? We would, after an event, whatever it might have been, we would go and we would take it over there, right? Just letting them feel, right? They're not, they're not handing it out or anything, but just being a part of doing something good. And then another thing we used to do was we used to actually go down to LA and go to Skid Row. Um, and, you know, just a, a lot of these, you know, youth, like, let, let's be real, you know, came from very privileged upbringings and many of them had never, had never really dealt with or seen up close someone who's homeless. Um, so, you know, kind of really broadening their horizons and to seeing that there are so many people that are in need, but it's not just about showing them that there's a need, but also hopefully like encouraging and giving an avenue for them to then do something about it, right? Because most people, if they see someone that's in need, they see something, you know, they're gonna wanna do something, you know? But the reason most of us don't is because we don't know how to, we don't know what to do. And that's what stops us from doing anything. So really trying to, you know, create an environment where, you know, we could hang out, we could chill, um, we could learn about, you know, our religion and, and, you know, become better people, but also, you know, practice everything that we're talking about. What's, what's interesting about that is that there's actually, a, there was a study I was reading the other day about how consistent check-ins can just transform how people do things. So one of the things they talked about was that people that are struggling with, you know, uh, with health issues and things like that, they don't change their diet. They don't change things because, uh, you know, if a doctor was to check in with them a year later, they haven't done anything. But if you check in with them consistently over, uh, over the period of a year at, at multiple points, they start to develop habits and they actually will change their habits completely. Um, which I think it's very interesting because that's sort of at the root of the term, you know, Sahaba were companions, you know, the, they were, we're trying to be the companions to our community. We're trying to emulate their behavior, their, their characteristics, and you know, being there with our community and having this consistency 
is that is, it's meant to change people's habits. I think what happens is that people get frustrated that things are not happening within six months to a year. But now if we come now, look back 13 years later, many things have changed if you reflect on it and reflect on all the incremental things that have slowly become different over so many years. And then things that, you know, have gotten worse. You know, there's new challenges in life. Yeah. So all of that is part of the journey. Um, so I think the goal here is, inshallah, for us to, to talk about that. I think every episode we can give some quick updates on what's happening with Sahab Initiative, talk about um, some past lessons, and then have some different guests. And then um, and then I'll try to be funny more next time. I'll try to put in some jokes and stuff in there. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's late, end of the day. Our boss isn't funny yet. Is isn't funny anymore. <laughs> He's only funny in the mornings, apparently. Sounds good. Any 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 last words before we uh, close out for the day? Nah, you know, I'm 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 excited to you know start this up again. You know, at, at, like as I'm talking about it, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh my god, I remember this. Oh my god, this, and you know, hopefully, I want to share the real stories, all the stuff that no one's heard. But I don't know oh, if that's. Man. I don't, I don't. I don't know if we can share some of those stories. <laughs> That's the stuff people really need to hear. And I don't even know. Believe it. It'll just come off as like some crazy stuff. And, and you know, it, it's it's funny because so I I, I was I was talking to uh, I was at a conference last week, and you know I, I had a little bit of time to I guess you know talk about about Sahab Initiative and you know one of the things that they said they were like oh well you know it's so crazy because. You guys have come so far in, in, in a short period of time. First of all, in my head, I'm like, it hasn't been a short period of time, but whatever. Um, yeah. But also, I'm like, you know, we, we may have gotten pretty far, but it's because a lot of crazy things happened along the way that we had to deal with. And that's that's what propelled us and, I guess, pushed us and challenged us to to get to where we are. So, you know, it, it's it's hilarious thinking about them and reliving them sometimes traumatizing, but, uh, I think it'll be, uh, I yeah, think it'll be fun and uh, helpful. Yeah. I think there's a lot of lessons there. And I think, you know, I think, you know, I hope we can connect to a lot of the young people out there that are, that are trying to navigate this stuff for themselves. Right. I mean, I think we've, yeah. we've been through a lot, the good and the bad. I mean, we've had a lot of support. I think overwhelmingly we've gotten support across the board from our massage leaders, board members, all of those things. Yeah. But, you know, we have also faced resistance and, things like that. And in those moments, you look back now and a lot of those moments are kind of hilarious, right? Yeah. But when but you, when you're there in those moments as someone who's young, maybe in high school, and this is like, you're at the masjid and you just don't get why you can't do a youth event or something. Yep. You're just like, what in the world is this? Like, why is it so difficult? Like we're always preventing people from getting involved in good activities. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and unfortunately we have quite a few of those examples but um all for we wouldn't be here if they didn't happen i guess inshallah all right take care everyone we'll talk to you all uh next week assalamualaikum